This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, man, we got a guy we're always talking about on the podcast, the killer vocalist from Low Side and formerly of Lillian Axe, Mr. Ron Taylor. Ron talks his new singles with Low Side, and we go through all the classic Lillian albums, man. You gotta check this out. Ron, welcome to the 80s Glam Metalcast, man. How are you? I'm good, brother. How are you? Super good, man. Hey, this is a this is a big moment for the metal cast. We're always talking about Ron Taylor on the podcast, so nice to finally have you on, man. Man, thanks for having me. <laughs> you got we've been, it. We've been trying to work this out for a while, haven't we? <laughs> we have. We have. We finally finally came together. So good stuff. All right. Well, hey, you got a couple great singles out right now, man. With Low Side, you got uh, our song. It's like a straight ahead heavy rocker, and then you just put out this old life, which kind of has like the mellow verses. And then the real heavy chorus. Tell everybody yeah. about these songs, man, because probably a lot of people, you know, haven't heard from you in a long time. So tell tell everybody about these songs. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, how many people know about the history of Low Side, you know, or I came from Lillian X. I assume some people know about that. And uh, you know, we put Low Side together in about 2005. Uh, Darren and I had actually started writing songs. You know, earlier than that, 2003, 2004. And uh, we put out a, our debut CD in 2013. Worked with Sterling Winfield from the from the Pantera crew on that one here in Dallas. We've just been kind of uh, kind of off and on, you know, since then. You know, the guys, uh, everybody's kind of doing the family thing and the work thing. And, uh, you know, life seems to get in the way of all of our fun of uh, writing songs <laughs> and recording and yeah, we'll write, we'll work on them, and, uh, you know, we've probably been trying to perfect these songs for five years now, and we finally just said, let's just go in the studio, screw it. We're never going to get it absolutely perfect, you know? So we went in and did the uh, did the first single for our song here in Dallas at uh, Empire, Empire Sound, which is a, a great, great little spot, and uh, we're really happy, really happy with uh, what we came out of it with went in and did uh this old life shortly after that and uh, now we actually uh darren and sal is our drummer sal tornio formerly of hammerwich we're going to get together saturday this saturday and uh, start really digging into the drums what we try to do is record record these songs onto my laptop got a little studio set up so we'll go over to darren's we've got all the drums set up over there and uh over there and just uh really work out all the details you know for the drums make sure hey is this this really what you want to put down because we're in a you know, you don't have we don't have all the millions like we did back in the day to record <laughs> that's right you know, that's so, right and, and so you're going into a good studio and you don't want to be getting in there and wasting time right i mean every hour you're in there is costing you you know so we just want to make sure that uh that we get in there and and we knock it out one or two takes man that we're everybody's ready and and uh we've we've done really good at that on the other two songs and learned a lot of a lot of lessons and uh, we should make us better on this one and uh let's see we're gonna do the next one is going to be it's called go this road it's never have to go this road alone and uh then we've got two more right after that so we should have five singles released here. Probably, uh, what month are we in? I would say by the end of the year, but no, it won't be by this new. The the next single should be out by the end of the year, I would think. No, Ron, is this going to lead to like a full album, or are you just going to kind of put out songs here and there and just see where? Man, it goes? we're 
right now, dude, we have no idea. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, we're just we're putting them. To, we're putting the singles together as we as we can, and and recording them as we can. And we're just gonna just keep going down that path, and that would be great to to just keep doing them until we've got ten or twelve, and then then put them out. That would be that would be awesome. You know, it's funny when you mentioned some? your um, you mentioned the debut album you did. And I love that. I thought it was great. But, you know, the crazy thing is it was 11 years ago. I don't even know where the hell time goes. I know. It really does. And we had we had a blast making that one. It took us it took us about five. It seemed like five years to make that thing. We went in and recorded all the bass and all the drums in one studio. And then we went into another studio a while later and started doing guitars. And then uh, we were working... Sterling had a Boot Hill Studios in, in his house, had a home studio, and uh, we did the, the vocals and everything there. And uh, that was one of those situations where you've you've got the time to just, it was almost like a Tuesday Night Music Club show. We'd go over there every Tuesday and, and work, you know, and that's where you walk out of there, you're going, oh, that's it, that's it, that's awesome, it's awesome, this is it, That's we're done with that song, and I get in my car and drive off, and Darren gets in his car and drives off, and we're calling each other about halfway home going, that ain't it, bro. <laughs> back we to the drawing board. <laughs> we got to do it again, which which was great. You know, it's a, it was a blessing and a curse, you know, because now you're just spending too much time trying to perfect it, and that's that's the situation now with this, with this new situation. It's like, you know, it's almost like... Uh, quick recording you get in there you knock it out and you get out you know and you live with it yeah it's tough to be super critical because you know the average listener's not going to know this you know what i mean like that that, although you have to be happy right because that one little thing it's like when somebody paints uh yeah that one little thing will bug you for the rest of your life right you know i I always liken it to like when you're painting in your house or something there's that one little spot nobody's going to walk into your house and point to that corner and say oh my god there's that spot but like you'll know about it you know what i mean so but the average listener like i said if there's some little thing that's driving you crazy they're not even going to pick up on it yeah i hear you you know, and then you're going, well, how much would it cost to come back? <laughs> and then you get in, you're like, well, hey, while we're here, let's let's work on this, work on that. But, you know, we're having a blast, man. We're really, we're having a good time. We're doing it at our pace. We're not, we don't have that carrot of fame and fortune out in front of us, you know, that we're chasing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just, we're kind of doing rock and roll at our own pace, and uh, having fun doing it, you know, we just played played a show uh, Saturday night, and uh, it went great, and we had a good time, and uh, people seem to be digging the singles. You know, if we don't sell a million copies, it just, it don't matter at this point, you know, we're mm-hmm. just, we're digging the game, you know, and that's, that's kind of, back before Lillian Axe, I always felt like that was, we worked hard, we were always hard workers. But it was always for the love and the fun, you know. And then you know, we got into Lillian and you got a record deal and all of that. Now, now it became a job, you know. And yep. it was it was hard work, you know. We had no idea how hard it was going to be to get out there and play every night, drive to the next town, be on the morning show, you know, singing, singing on the radio at 8 a.m. the next morning, and then go into a you know a distribution company or something like that, you know, to to meet those people and say hi to those people, and then going and doing a 
you know, radio event and then running back and taking a quick shower and then going and doing sound check and playing a gig and doing it all over again. That's a young man's game. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. And not saying I not yeah, I'm not, not saying I didn't like that, but it's uh I I've had a lot more joy making music away from the record label mm-hmm. part of it, you know. So and I mean, hey, we had some some great times in Lillian Axe too. I mean, just the the experiences that we had of you know, Rat was around and you know, Marshall Burrow from Rat was our manager that they got us the original deal and and getting to go out to Hollywood the first time and and have Robin Crosby, the guitar player from Rap, producing our record and and just you know I'm in there singing vocal tracks and I'm thinking to myself, is that Nikki Six in the guitar room? Oh my God, what's he doing? <laughs> Was he there? Hey, oh. <laughs> hey, sing that again, sing that. I'm like, no, I want to come meet him. No, no, don't go. Stay right there. You know and. That was just an unbelievable experience, you know, that you're hanging out with. You know, at that time, dude, we thought it, it was like a dream come true, man. We thought we were going, we thought, how can we not be famous, <laughs> right? Right, right. You know, we're going out. Marshall's like, okay, well, y'all are done with your studio. You're recording for today. Let's go out to the rainbow. And you were hanging out with the guys on White Snake and Poison and all. You know, you're just right there in the in crowd, you know. And then, uh, then we went on the road after that one, and reality hit quick. <laughs> hit quick, but you know we still have still had a blast, you know. And uh, we ex- we actually got Guns N' Roses had a their I guess it was their first bus, the night train, and they graduated to a better bus, and we got their we got their crappy old bus, but we thought that was the best bus we'd ever seen in our whole lives, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. A, I did not know that. We had a lot of good times on that bus, you know, and then moved on and did the, the Love and War record. Did that at one out in California with Tony Platt. Tony Platt was from the, the, uh, the Def Leppard camp. He had worked a lot with, with Def Leppard. And, uh, and that was just, a, once again, just a really, just a really cool, rewarding learning experience, you know, to get in with somebody like that, that, you know, really worked with. You know, tons of people. Let's backtrack a little bit. Let's go. Let's go back okay. to the. You you blew past the debut. I I did want to pick your brain on the debut a little bit because uh, which a lot of people. You talked about pre Lillian Axe. I mean, you got you were in a band called Stiff. So when you guys got together, right? Was this already these songs already put together? But it seems like you guys collaborated on a few different songs for that one. So what what happened when you when you guys came together as Lillian Axe all together? As Lily. So yeah, Steve had already written. Most of those songs, we came in and we did, but yeah, we collaborated a little bit, but most of that stuff was already written. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, those guys have been shopping that material forever. You know, Stiff was out shopping our stuff, and those guys were shopping their stuff, and all the all the regional bands were kind of doing the same thing, you know, at the same time, you know. And Lillian got a chance to open up for Rat, I think three dates in Louisiana. Oh, nice. And that's where Mar- that's where Marshall Burrell saw him, and that was... It's a lucky break, son. Yeah, that's awesome. You got what are some of your favorites off the debut? For some reason, man, I don't know. You always used to, I don't know. I used to think some of the later ones were better than the debut. But as I'm getting older, I don't know. I I, I like the debut quite a bit. I feel like it's just a <laughs> it's a straightforward rocker. You know what I mean? Like there's, you know, I think it, it got kind of uh, eclectic, and, and I like that too. But I feel like that debut is just real straightforward. What are some of the tunes you like on there? 
I don't even remember what's on there. You have to remind me. <laughs> Laughing in your face, misery loves company, uh, hard luck, inside I mean, out. You know, there, there's a few. Yeah, I mean, hard luck, waiting in the dark. Love that song. Love hard luck. Nobody knows. I mean, hey, I have to agree with you. It's a solid album. You know, it's funny Not too. Bad. You say waiting in the dark. You know, like that's the song probably that's the most uh, almost like epic. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a little different than the rest of them. It definitely uh-huh. has more of a story and, and, and some things <clears> going on. That's a, yeah, I, I love. I freaking love the debut, man. Love it. Well, thank you. And I think nobody knows is like the, a really great showcase for your voice. <laughs> As we get going, we'll probably hit a couple moments where you really get to shine. But I think that's like kind of like your shiny moment vocally on that album. It was really great performance. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, man. man, no problem. And and we all always bitch on the show to say that that should have been a big hit because that's that smokes all the other power ballads out there. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> You got it, man. You got it. You got it. All right. Well, okay. Now we let's jump to Love and War. So Love and War, it, Love and War is weird in in the respect that like there's like half of the album I feel is kind of like the debut, and then there's another piece of, of of song that are more complex. You know, like Ghost of Winter and Letters in the right. Rain and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of like it was like a mixing of uh, the old style from the debut but then some new styles. So, well let me ask you about this one cuz this you'll know about. So, my number, right? I was watching on YouTube. Now, Stiff used to play my number. Was that, yeah, yeah. So was that kind of like your your guys' idea to put that on there? Yeah, yeah. We just you know we added it to the to the live set and uh, it went over great. And so uh, we just added it to the uh, added to the record. They were looking for a cover to do, and that's how it all worked out. But yeah, Love of War is my that's my favorite mm-hmm. Lillian record. Yeah, most people it is. I think to a lot of people. Uh, I think that's when you got your at least your biggest airplay uh, from MTV was Show a Little Love. I think that's when most people that I know of got into Little Lynn Axe was for Love and War. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and it is. I mean, and it's a great album. It's a great album. And you're right. You know, I, I really liked the style of the of the Ghosts of Winters and the World Stop Turning mm-hmm. and that, you know, that darker, that darker kind of stuff, you know. And I feel like also we were, we were maybe struggling a little bit with, you know, Stiff came in as a, a little bit more of a, a glam type band than, than Lillian was, right? Yeah. So, I, I feel like we we may, may have uh, stuck our grubby little fingers in there a little bit, you know, <laughs> the, the down on yous and she likes it on top right. and stuff like that. That I I look back on those now and I'm like, oh, that was, it's good, but it was a little cheesy, but. I, I don't hate it, but I just I feel like you know, we're really touching on some good stuff with some of that other stuff. But 
Yeah, hey, I don't. I have no regrets at all. No, she likes it on top. Though I feel is interesting because your mind goes one way, right, when you hear that. But then when you hear the lyrics, it really isn't what it means. It's more like she just wants to be in on top of the world, not necessarily on top of you. you know? right, so, right. so, like, it is kind of cool the way it, it's kind of like a play on, on that whole statement, you know what I mean? So I, I feel like that was kind of – I always thought that Lillian had more intelligent lyrics than probably anybody else, you know, in the whole hair metal 80s era. So. Right, I appreciate that. Yeah. So what was it like yeah. writing with Steve? So, like, look, I mean, obviously Steve's a pretty prolific writer, and he probably can write a whole album by himself. Was it hard Absolutely. to get, it was hard to get, like, your ideas in there? Or what was it, what, like, when you guys would write together, because you've got songwriting credits, are you putting in lyrics? You know, that, there or was, how, how did it go? There were, you know, it was kind of all over the board. There was times that we were together and we were working on stuff, and it, it was really easy. And, you know, other times that we were, not together we were he was in uh, louisiana i was in arizona uh where it became a little harder you know harder to work together in that situation uh i remember i had bought i don't play guitar or anything right this is before the the computer studios got all crazy you know and so i've got a little keyboard at the house you know and i'm like uh um, what was body double i'm i'm sitting there trying to write the idea for body double and i'm i'm on the keyboard going do 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 i send it to him i, I sent him a cassette you know because even at that time you're not emailing tracks back and forth you know send him a cassette and he's like what the heck is this it sounds like nintendo or something bro <laughs> I'm like, just think of that as guitar. Can't you hear it? Can't you turn it? <laughs> so you sometimes, you know, and I, I guess it's just like songwriting at any time. Sometimes it's really easy and comes really easy, and other times it doesn't, you know. Yep. But for, for this one, for Love and War, for um, uh, Poetic Justice, you know, we spent a lot of time together. Just I remember just sitting on the floor in his living room, you know, just just hashing stuff out you know it was a blast we had a, had a great time you know and there, and there was other stuff that he's hey dude check this idea out and you're going hey that's perfect right there let's do it mm -hmm. yeah you know so, especially around the time of poetic justice you guys did a lot of acoustic uh stuff like you'd be on tv or something you know doing acoustical things and uh, uh -huh. A nice uh, thing to add to the band is that you had a, uh, somebody who could sing as well. You know what I mean? So you could do all those oh. harmonies live. So a lot, you know, you know the deal. Most people do all that shit in the studio. They can't do it live. But we was, with Steve, right. you had somebody that could do those harmonies. So, I mean, it always sounded great yeah. when you, it was just the two of you. Yeah, there's not many not many bands that are that lucky to have somebody that could could sing, you know, as good as he could. You know, he, he had his own band after Lillian, Near Life Experience, and I thought, he sang in that band. I thought he did a great job. Once you hit the 90s, though, did you think that, like, maybe the chance of getting really big, you know, in Lillian Axe was kind of over? I mean, because it felt like, you know, the 80s were a one kind of thing, and you kind of fit into that. And then you got into the <laughs> 90s, right? But then you didn't really – it's almost like this band just doesn't fit anywhere. You didn't – you weren't like a Warrant or a Winger, but you weren't Alice in Chains. It's almost like this band was just – an anomaly what do you think yeah i i totally agree i totally agree and just you know like i was saying before the little bit of a personality conflict there with uh 
it makes me wonder like on the like love and war had we stayed with the darker side right and not gone into she likes it on top and down on news and that and just kind of kept it with that a little more focused you know on, on that darker sound Could, would that have been enough and i i really looking back now i don't think it would have with nirvana and all those guys coming no coming through I, I think we'd have been wiped out by the whole tsunami anyway yeah i mean because you, you look at there were some bands they came out even after you, like like Saigon Kick is a great example. They definitely uh-huh. were not uh, normal, you know what I mean? But somehow no, they, they got grouped in with, with everything, you know, with all the other bands. So, you know, it, it's it comes up all the time, you know, a lot of second guessing. It is what it is. I mean, everything's got a cycle, you know, and if you yeah. look at, like, at, this shit happens every decade, you know, disco, uh, you know, 80s metal, grunge you know what i mean it all has its life cycle and, and it is what it is you know going going into the 90s that's that's when we uh, switched over to grand slam irs records and uh, we did the the poet justice record that was actually a situation to where that label said hey we're we're, we're gonna make you guys a priority and you know we had heard that before we're like yeah whatever yeah. but uh you know they took us over to to SEMA, which is, what was that, Capital, Electra, MCA, I don't know, it was like a big conglomerate mm-hmm. of uh, record labels. And they said, you know, yeah, we've got this category here, top category where these bands are going to be pushed, and there's like you know, three different categories. And they're like, you guys are in the top top category, you will be pushed. And even at that, you're like, uh-huh, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> Heard that before. But as soon as it started happening, man, we could tell. You're, you're going, whoa, okay, hey, look at this. Our album is is, is in the stores. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, look at this. It's it's at the front of the store. It's in the window, you know. And so now we started getting a little bit excited, you know, and then uh, True Believer came out, and you could tell – that too because it's now it's on the radio in a lot more cities than we'd ever been on the radio ever before i could tell it was it was it was very humbling you know you would go to a city that you're you're on the radio there and and it's like you're famous you know they're just like going crazy and the very next night you would go somewhere that you're not on the radio and you'd be going this can't be it. This isn't where we're playing, is it really? And uh, that was kind of the story of our lives on the road. But, but yeah, we were seeing it, man. And you're just like, holy crap, this is, and we're all just going like, we're going to make it. This is it. This is, holy crap. This is it. And then we got a call and they said that uh, the more, majority of shares of IRS had been uh, purchased by the other label. And uh, everyone that was working the True Believer single had been laid off and let go oh that sucks and you talk about a heartbreaker man all the marketing people that were working it all the radio people gone because the, the big corporation was going to use their people their people didn't care anything about us they had you know nothing invested in us and that was uh and then they said uh we're, you know we want to put out no matter what and we want to do a video to no matter what we were we, we were really wanting to do the video to true believer you know and they mm-hmm. had they said no let's Let's wait. Let's wait and do it to, to no matter what. And hey, maybe they did have a great plan, and it just that phone call just blew it all to ground. Yeah, and no matter what, I like. I, I mean, I do like that, but I don't like. I said, I think everybody, in retrospect, thinks True Believer would have been the the better choice. Seems like- 
That's what we thought, man. So that was that was one of the more disappointing uh, phone calls that we ever got. Mm-hmm. You know, just when you think you you're well on your way, they pull the rug out from under you. What happened? So talk about psycho schizophrenia a little bit. So you're still on the same label, and I think still on the same yeah, label. I still think at that still, point, uh, you, yeah, recorded you got... that at the same place. We we recorded outside of Baltimore uh, for the Poetic Justice album and. What a great environment that was, too. I mean, we were so lucky, dude, with recording our records that every studio that we worked at, every producer we worked with was phenomenal. You know, and some people look back and go, Darn it, oh, Robin Crosby couldn't have done a good job. Dude, Robin was, he was great. He was great. And, and he even told us years later, he goes, yeah, I was all on heroin and stuff back then. <laughs> right, and, right. dude, I've been around people doing drugs my whole life, and I never saw him other than you know smoking a joint now and then or whatever in yep. the studio to where I went, this dude is wasted. Never. He was always really professional and on top of it. You can just tell he he loves the game, right? He, he loved music. He loved putting it all together. And that was such a great experience. So... So we've gone into, we did Poetic Justice with Lake Mesas, and uh, we wanted to do Psycho with him as well. And so we went back in with him, went back into that Sheffield studio in, in Baltimore. You know, just once again, just great learning experiences and just worked worked so hard. I, I've never worked so hard. I've never been so mad in my life as when we were doing our records, all of our records, but especially working with Late Basis, you know, he'd be like, do it again, do it again. <laughs> do it completely different. Well, what, do you, what do you mean completely different? I don't know, just do it. Just a completely different range. And just forcing me to think outside the box, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, and I look, my, my poor band members now, I do that to them. Chill. <laughs> I'm like, dude, just completely forget about everything you're doing and do it completely different. And they get about as mad as I did in the studio. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty calm and cool, calm, cool, collected dude. And, but uh, it got pretty, uh, pretty intense in the studio. And I look back at it, I'm going, man, that that was just so great. You know, you you think about you. I don't know. I guess you're familiar enough with the end of Ghost of Winter. Like, I'm doing all this high. Uh, you know. Yep. Yep. And that was the producer just going, dude, just you know, go up right there and just. Kill it, man! Just kill it, you know. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And you, and you look back now, and you're going, "Hell yeah!" I think on Psycho Schizophrenia, you got another one of your real big moments, and that's the the day that I met you, man. Because you know, when I think of that song, it's you and the guitar, and that's yes. it. You know, what I mean, there ain't that's no it, nowhere man. to hide. There's no special effects or anything like that that's going to save you. This is it, and it's like it. It's killer.
Like I don't. Where did where does the emotion come from when you sing a song like that? Where, where, where do you pull from? You know, I just I just try to take the lyric and make it my own, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and uh, try to find a place in my heart for it, and just go from there, man. Just just get in there, and hey, by the time I sang what was really recorded, I was probably so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> you had to do it twenty times. And- <laughs> it's like I'm singing a one painful more. In the back of my head, I'm going this guy <laughs> just great memories great memories great experiences mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I, you know when i look it at psycho schizophrenia it's, it's a real hybrid of an album you know because it's, it's one of those another one of those ones where it's hard to classify you can't say you can't say this mm-hmm. is 80s metal it isn't grunge it's just it's kind of like its own thing and uh i just remember at that time that's kind of what i was looking for you know when i heard that album, i was like yeah this is what i want because i think i was a teenager i was kind of set with some of the stuff that had you know kind of like with everybody kind of got a little overdone in the 80s you know and you're kind of looking mm-hmm. for something different and that really fit the bill I, like i said I, I look back at that as one of my favorite albums of all time and uh it's, well, thank yeah, you very yeah, much. It's, just, it's a killer, and like I said, especially like I said, the day that I met you, you know, it's like I said, the vocal performance, the lyrics, it's just the whole thing, top notch, man. Man, we sure appreciate it. Yeah, and no we're problem. Blessed to have been able to to have those experiences, man. And yep. Yep. Get in and do that kind of stuff, and work with people that that really knew what they were doing, and and had. Lucky enough to have the budget at that time to be able to go in and really, you know, experiment and work hard and spend lots of hours. Just, man, we spent hours and hours and hours, you know, working on those records. Anybody ever try to snag you uh, out of Lillian Axe into, like, any other bands that were out at the time, or were, did people leave you alone? Uh, not really. Um, I thought it was kind of funny when I, after I first joined Lily, you know, we we've known the Pantera guys forever. Mm-hmm. I grew up with them around this area, and uh, we, um, I think, as we were getting ready to go do the first record, and the Pantera guy's dad called me, and he's like, "Hey, the guys were thinking maybe you'd come down and audition to be their singer." The Terry Glaze was leaving was leaving the band. Oh wow! Yeah, they were looking for a new singer, and uh, you know, hey, we really got some awesome stuff going on. We think we. We think we're going to get a record deal and da 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 da. And I'm like, man, I love you guys, but y'all are a little too heavy and crazy for me. <laughs> I got a record deal going on. I think I'm good. I think I'm good where I am. Well, that would have been pretty yeah. interesting. Wow, that, that that could have been a change of the course of history right there. <laughs> yeah, that terrible. Would never have made it big time. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, no. When, you know, I got a. I have. I don't know how I got it. Probably in the early 2000s, there's a lot of CD trading and stuff going on. And I got a CD where it's like you singing oh, songs like um, Quarantine and Until the End of the World. And these are all songs that ultimately ended up on the album that they put out without you, Waters Rising. But uh, I always love right. those songs. I was... I was because you kind of, you guys have kind of been uh, absent. You know, you haven't done, you didn't do a lot for a while. And then when I heard those songs, I got really excited. I was like, "Oh, right, we got another another Lillian Axe with Ron on it." And then ultimately, <laughs> you know, I didn't. I don't know. You know, like I said, I I know there's stuff where I don't think you wanted to tour uh, anymore or as much. Or well, you tell me, man. You tell me whatever you want to say. But I was kind of bummed when like you weren't on that that next Lillian Axe album. Right. Man, until, until the end of the world is one of my favorite all-time Lillian songs. Can we 
love that song. It's so great. But, you know, then at the end, dude, it, it was just, you know, we had, we had gone, you know, through the full-time touring and, and doing the records and all that. Uh, that lasted until, I think, 95. And then between 95 and 99, we didn't do anything. We all, it was weird. It was like, uh, hey, look, we're going to go take a little break and uh, we'll throw some more dates together and we'll see y'all in a while. All right, see you later. And we didn't do anything until 99. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that we did do anything in 99 is because our buddy Dave Tedder called up and said, hey, I, if you guys have some uh, some old demos, I think I could get you a deal with a small label in, in England. And uh, Steve called me up and said, hey, are you cool with that? And I'm like, sure, hey, why not? And so Music for Nations put out Fields of Yesterday, mm-hmm. and uh, next thing you know, it was on again. <laughs> you know, you go, oh, crap. Yeah, yeah. And in the meantime, the rest of us, everybody had gone home. Uh, Darren had had a kid or two, gotten jobs, gotten mortgages, gotten yep. you know whatever whoever would had gotten themselves into during during that time off. And uh, then it was it all it got tougher to get together and go play shows. Mm-hmm. You know, and so a lot of that between after after ninety nine was, you know, we would go. And play like a Thursday, Friday, and a Saturday. Fly home on Sunday, go to work. Yep. You know, and then a couple weeks later, a few weeks later, you go play a few more. You know, and so in the days of full time touring, were were over. You know, we got we got an opportunity to go to Japan for a week, and Darren actually got fired from his job. Oh. You know, for doing that. You know, mm-hmm. but not sure. In hindsight, you know, he's got got that memory of getting to go play in Tokyo, you know, and and that was a, an awesome experience, you know. So so it just got tougher to at, at that point there there wasn't enough support or money to go out and do it full time again. Yep. Sure. And and I think most of us were not even willing to at that point, you know, what do you mean we're gonna just jump in a van and Ugh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, had you told any of us that, hey, we've got a new record deal, you know, you've got tour support, you're going to be, you know, in a bus, you're going to be doing this and this and this and this, we'd have all gone for it. But it was just, you know, in that time that we could see for the first time the crowds were were going down. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan and I still talk about that there was a couple of shows that we did at there at the end and i felt like all of our all of our fans were kind of looking at us with sad eyes i felt like they kind of felt sorry for us and i'm like dude that just crushed my heart man i'm like dang you you just felt like they were looking around going i'm sorry there's not anybody here right right that's tough and so that was kind of and it, it just kind of, at the time, it just felt like it had run its course, you know? Yep. You're like, yeah, we don't really have the money to get out and tour full-time, doing this part-time thing. You know, and it would it would be a situation where, you know, you get a call that, hey, uh, we can go out with L.A. Guns for for three weeks and do a little run with those guys. Let's go do it. And you're going, 
bro, I got a good job. Right. You know, right. uh, you know, if you tell me it's Metallica, then yeah, maybe. You know. <laughs> but, uh, yep. And so it was just, it was just kind of a, you know, time in my life, Darren's life, and John was out of the band by then, but he was, he was actually jamming with us by then. You know, it was just kind of run its course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was totally never. I, I know people like to. You know, people ask, you know, was there a big blow up? Was there a big fight? Did you guys hate each other? Any of that? And I'm like, no. I wish we had a good story to tell. <laughs> you know, right? That's a, you know, that's yeah. sensational. And, <laughs> and like I said, it wasn't necessarily that we didn't want to tour. We just didn't want to tour like that. Right. That makes no. Know? That makes total sense. That's a you know, touring even in a bus is a young man's game. You right. know, but you know, it was just a. Uh, you just didn't really have record company support and all that, and yeah. couldn't couldn't get out and really do it right, you know. And, and I, I think for me, it was the pressure of feeling like I, w- I was letting letting the band down when you did get that offer to go play a few weeks with somebody or something. You know, you don't you didn't want to be the one that was always saying no, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. Right. So it's like, hey, why well, don't I step aside and y'all y'all find somebody else. Uh-huh. And uh, and just keep keep jamming. I mean, and dude, Derek came in after me and sang, and that dude was killer, bro. <laughs> he I could have never asked for a better singer to come replace me and Lillian X and that guy. Man. Yeah, he he definitely he sounded great. like you. You know what I mean? Like when I when, when I listened to it, I mean I could tell it's not you, but it, it he, his voice resembles yours. So I don't know if he did that purposely or if he is just his his voice is naturally like yours. I don't know, but he sounds similar to you. You know, I think he's one of those guys that's he's been in cover bands his whole life. Uh-huh. He's one of the French Quarter cover band singer guys, and he can just emulate anybody. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so he might have he might have kind of done that, you know, whether on purpose or not, I don't know. But right. you know, I listen to stuff that that he did, and I'm just like, holy crap, that two rocks. <laughs> yep. 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 So and I was I was happy for him. I'm like, hey, they found somebody that they can, you know sing my stuff and 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 sing it good you know yeah no totally i i think he sounded sounded great and it was weird there was a guy i think after him brian who sounded nothing like you and then it sounded right. weird you know what i mean so it's almost like it's almost like you gotta have that kind of a voice at least in my ears in lillian x that it sounds you know still has that similar yeah. kind of a sound you know what i mean and then when it did when it, the next guy didn't i was like wow it's, just sounds weird to yeah. my ears. I'm just being honest. You know what I mean? Yeah, when Glenn Danzig starts singing for ACDC, you know that. <laughs> right, you know, right. You got to get somebody who's of the, <laughs> the nature. You know, it's like, um, oh, geez, it's like Queensryche, right? Like they got um, Todd Latore there. He he right. sounds like Jeff Tate. I mean, you, you're ain't, like you said, it, you ain't going to yeah. get somebody in there that doesn't sound, have that sound. I mean, it just wouldn't make sense. Right. You know and you hate, to, you hate to tell her singer, you have to sound like this, but. Right. Then again, the band was the band. People fell in love with a certain sound in the band, you know. Yeah. So let me it's ask tough, you this man. one. It's let, me ask, let me ask you this one. So say say Steve calls you someday and says, "Hey, Ron, I just want to do like a project with you, like a just a recording project or something like that." Would you be down with something like that? We'd have to see about it, man. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I have to see uh, see what the situation. Was. Yeah, like do almost. Yeah, you know, just uh, like I hate traveling. I hate even going on vacation. Now. <laughs> <laughs> we went to France this year for vacation. And I'm just uh, I tell myself, just smile and be quiet. 
just smile and be quiet, let your family have fun. Mm-hmm. I had fun once I was there, but just airports and hotels and I just I cannot stand it anymore. Mm-hmm. People are going, is Los Angeles going to tour? I'm like, hell no. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I, back to what you're saying about like you know, you guys had jobs and everything. I I totally get it because you know, obviously, I work a full time job where I've got benefits and I've got a 401k and all these things. And it's like you hate to sound like an old person, but like you gotta have these things. You know, I hate. It's always yeah. so sad when you see like some of these musicians that they don't have health insurance and then they have to do some kind of GoFundMe and all this kind of stuff. Because I know just right. like a simple visit could turn into like fifteen thousand dollars. You know what I mean? And, and nobody's got that just sitting around in their pocket. You know what I mean? So I, I do feel bad, but it's like it's almost like at a certain point, if the money's not there and the security's not there, like like you said, you kind of got to have a, a backup plan. You know, I think for what, 14 or 15 years, all I owned was a suitcase and a boom box. <laughs> I didn't have no car, didn't have nothing, you know. And all of a sudden, hey, you're not on the road anymore. And, oh, wow, I'm a, I need to buy me a little car so I get to a job because I don't I don't see any Lillian X checks in the mailbox. <laughs> totally. Yeah, reality, reality hit, man. You know, and hey, even, even to this day, you know, now there's been a... My, my kids, my son is a freshman in college. My daughter's a freshman in, in high school. And there's been most of their lives I've, I've said, I am not missing my kids. I'm not going off on the road and missing my kids' lives. Yeah. yeah. You know, I want to be here. I want to be going to soccer games and going to horseback riding and dance recitals and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and now that they're a little older, you know, I'm like, if – if the right thing came along once again, you know, I've got a pretty dang good job, you know, mm-hmm. but if the right situation would present itself, then, then we, we would definitely have to think about that. Mm-hmm. Well, good, man. But, you know, but, it, but until then we're, we're just having a blast. You know, we'd love to get a, some label call us up and say, Hey, we want y'all to knock these next songs out a little quicker. Let's get a record out for y'all. Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be nice. That would be nice. Yeah. And, you know, the cool thing, too, is that, which I wanted to mention earlier, but we never got to, is that really your voice doesn't sound any different. You know what I mean? The music is obviously different. It's more modern than, than Lillian Axe, obviously. But but I think, like, your voice, the kind of things that you do with harmonies and melody, it's very similar to what you've always done. So appreciate that. That's, that's funny. My, my wife and I were just talking about that the other day. She was saying that, too. She's like, man, you're... Your harmonies always kind of have this this different kind of thing to them, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I did, you know, the, the guy that was recording us, you know, he's like, you sure you want to sing? I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I will, believe me, I've worked and worked and worked on these harmonies. Yeah, so awesome. that's one that's one of my favorite favorite things to do is write them harmonies out. Yeah, yeah, you're you're the master at them, man. Always you always have them, and they always sound good. Thank you very much, man. We're we're still having the time of our lives, man. I mean, me and Darren go out and play our little acoustic gig uh, almost every weekend. The day I met you was actually in our set almost almost every time we play. Mm. Awesome. And uh, most people have no idea what the heck we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know the song, but but they think it yeah. sounds good. <laughs> and uh, but and yeah, man, I'm so blessed to still be able to sing. You know, so blessed. Yeah, you know, not you know, everybody can, man. That you, you, you know. I mean, a lot of people, 
they didn't <clears> take <throat> care of their instrument. You know, they smoked and yeah. did all kinds of crazy shit, and they can't sing anymore. So I mean, yeah, you yeah, are. There was a lot of lot of situations as we were you know going through those days that you know there was a lot of drugs and stuff out and stuff and. I was the kind of guy I wanted to do them. <laughs> I, like, I want to snort. I want to sit there and snort cocaine, guys, but I can't do it and sing. So I'm just going to sit back here and drink my drink my beer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, saved, you know, which I think saved my voice. You saved know, because it it got you know it was like you're either gonna you're either gonna party like that or or you're gonna be able to sing. So. Like all right, that's your instrument. You know, it's like with a guitar player. You know, your guitar breaks or something like that. You go get a new one. But like your voice, if your voice is toast, you ain't getting a new voice. It's gone. Yeah, you know, I hear some of these guys struggling now, and you're just like, oh man, wow. And, you know, dude, to be honest with you, I don't know that I could. I could probably go out and play a Lillian show one night. <laughs> You know? uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> those heart, those songs, man. I was a fired up twenty something year old kid, man. Right, right. Singing them songs, you know. To these days, I'd be going, Steve, can you lower that key a little bit for me? Let's tune it down a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, White Lion was the um, what's his name from White Lion was here a couple nights ago, and I was watching the videos, and you know, and he's singing like, Wait, wait, I never had a chance to love you. Yeah. And hey, dude, if if that's the only way you can do it, then freaking do it like that, and and all the respect in the world to you. Yeah. Now, I don't know what's I don't know what's going on with Don Dockin, and I don't know what's going on with Bon Jovi. Right. But they got some weird stuff going on. I, yeah. I, and I and I don't want to disrespect them, but I I question both of those guys. It's like I understand not being able to sing, but you've completely lost all musical ability. Right. I don't understand no, yes. that. Yes. Yes. You've lost your timing. You, you've lost your sense of timing, mm-hmm. too. And so I'm just going, like, what? Are y'all on downers? Or I don't know. You know, like I said, yeah. I don't want to talk shit about nobody. But no. it just makes me question. Just like, you know, the guy from White Lion. He's singing his stuff low. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I was Don Dockin right now, I would be singing those songs an octave lower than yep. they were written. I would have my sound man put an effect on there, an octave to where that, that octave is sitting back there in the background and you're hearing, you're getting to hear what you heard back then. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm but I'm up there going, you know, we're the dream warriors. It's super you know? low. Yeah, it's like crooning or something. Yeah. And, but, but do, you know, still sing it with Pat... Does that make sense? No, I can no, understand. No, you you lost your yeah. voice. Yep, no, but, it does. But are are you not able to sing it low and still sing it with a little bit of passion and a little bit of timing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I don't understand. I'm, dude. I'm with you. I'm, I'm the first person that will uh, show you compassion for for losing your voice and mm-hmm. and you know the fact that age does take a toll you know on your voice. You know, but. uh what I'm hearing from those two is just weird. It's, it's I'm, I'm curious if it'll ever come out. What, especially John Bon Jovi? What? Yeah, like, I, yeah, you're right. Sad. I feel bad for him, but yeah, I mean, at some point you have to make a decision. Like, why am I going to keep doing this? And you know what? I've always thought about with people like that totally lose it, like Bon Jovi. <laughs> like, maybe what's so wrong with scaling it down? 
do like a storyteller type of a thing where you're doing acoustical. You bring some other guy who can sing the higher stuff, and you just kind of do the lower stuff, or you you talk in between right. songs. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be a way to still put the music out there, but to like, you know, it's hate to say it, like it's embarrassing yourself, kind of in a, in yeah. a sense. You know, get what your, mean? yeah, get your female keyboard player back there. <laughs> right. Guns right. and Roses has one. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I love when Vince Neil had the the girl singing behind him. That was. Right. Great idea. Well, it's funny, you know, you when you said that you made a great point, and I don't. This is the, the right. This is the head scratcher. You lose your voice, it's one thing, but if you lose your timing, that's what Vince Neil. I feel like like Vince Neil still has range, but he doesn't have the timing. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, where did it go? I, I don't. I don't. Dave Lee Roth. Dave Lee Roth. Same way. Yeah. Like, I I was talking to Daniel with Van Halen to come back out and played some live shows or whatever, and I'm going. Van Halen was one of my favorite bands, dude. That was. That was the band when I was growing up. I'm like, I, I was a pretty good singer back then. I would not have liked this guy. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And uh, But yeah, once again with him, timing and just cutting everything off and not even pronouncing the words, you know? Yeah, it's weird. So you're right, a lot of them. Just, but then you got other guys that, that sound like the same you know like somebody like michael Sweet oh, yeah. or striper like he's still got it you know so some guys still yeah. got it some guys don't it, it's it sucks it is what it is but we're i just feel so blessed to have had the career i had you know of course you look back and you think oh man it'd be great to have been rich and famous and all that and then you wonder well maybe it wouldn't have well, <laughs> yeah you know everything maybe happens I'll, for a reason so maybe i landed where i needed to land you know yep Definitely. And we're able to still go out, like I said, every weekend and, and play and have fun and laugh and drink beer with our friends and, and just just have a blast making music, you know. And I've still got the ability to, to get up there. And I love it when people who've never seen us get out there and they're, they hear me sing certain songs, Al Green or something like that, and they're going, who the hell is this dude singing? <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it's nice to have that superpower. So, yeah, we still have so much fun, man. And, and to be able to go in and still write songs, record, and go play our original music live, man, we're having a blast. Having a good time. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I appreciate all your time and all your stories. I'm so glad. Well, thanks for letting me. Uh, yeah. Thanks for letting me babble on. Man. No, man, this is awesome. Like I said, we're we're it was an honor to have you on. We're always talking about you and Lillian Axe, and I'm so glad that you're still making music. And I'm glad that I had the chance to speak with you. I sure appreciate you having me on, man. No problem. But it was great talking with you, man. And I appreciate all the great music that you've done because uh, it definitely had an impact on me. So thank you so much, man. All right, man. Have a great night. Thanks so much. You too. Bye-bye. Bye now. Well, that was an honor to talk with Ron, man. I want you to keep an eye out because my book, A Hair Metal Journey, is going to be coming soon. So be on the lookout and know what you can do. Rock on!